Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. So, Sahel, are you registered to vote? I'm registered to vote. I'm willing and able. Oh, so you registered to vote. Can you vote in the UK? I can vote in the UK. In fact, I could vote in the UK even before I became a citizen because of Commonwealth. <laughs> so if you're in the Commonwealth, you if can you're in vote. the Commonwealth and you're resident in the UK, you can vote. So use that vote. Okay, I am registered to vote. And remember, if you want to vote in the UK general election, the deadline is midnight on Tuesday, November 26th. It takes less than five minutes. You can do it on gov.uk. And also if you're a mm. uni student, you can register to vote where you're going to uni. Yes, you so can do re- that too. Yes, you can register to vote where you go to uni. Okay, do it, do it, do it. Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Now, this would be the point where you're probably thinking, why aren't you doing that high energy introduction where you explain that this is a science and tech podcast? Well, I'd like to say, number one, we're allowed to switch things up, you know, mature a little bit. And two, don't hate me. I- I'm getting this to you in a timely manner. Please. <laughs> Also, I wanted my PhD in a timely manner. That didn't happen, did it? You don't get everything you want, all right? It's true. Important life lesson. Also, I'm very, 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 very lazy. I don't know if you know this. That's a lie. This guy's (laughs) actually been working. Well, (laughs) if anything, Alex and I have been It's called effortless superiority, right? Oh, have you heard of this? I'm trying to save your ass. This is what what white middle class people do. They have effortless superiority. Do you know what this is? Do you know? Explain. It's basically where you do a lot of shit, but you act like you don't do anything. You never heard of this? All right. Can we actually get back to it? (laughs) I am Alex Lathbridge. I am one of your hosts. On my left, I have Ozzy Ismail. Oz is another one of your hosts. And of course, we're joined by Sahel Patel. Sahel is a journalist. He's an amazing person. He makes brilliant videos for BBC News. And he's explaining to us like how how the white supremacist power structure works <laughs> it's true yeah I'm yeah there. i know we he knows a lot learn more he knows that. a lot and you're probably wondering why do oz and alex not have like a a weird long intro where they say like two real things and then a third funny thing <laughs> it's because oz and i have both finished our phds yes so there's nothing funny anymore <laughs> we have no sense of self anymore you know and um to all the people who are like <laughs> is the name of your podcast gonna change now <laughs> are you gonna call it why aren't you why aren't you professing <laughs> i'm so funny <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, I'm still not a doctor, so it's technically accurate. So, how have you all been? How, we haven't been here for a while. Great. I'm currently enjoying uh, unemployment, or mm. as someone in the gym said to me, fun employment. That's true. <laughs> I was like, ha, 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 ha. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> You're a funny person. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Better question. What have you been up to, guys? Me, I've been fucking. I'm I'm freelancing, so it's basically one small micro step up from being unemployed. It's the same thing, but with more fear. I mean, technically, I'm also <laughs> freelancing. <laughs> freelancing is a code word for unemployed. Freelancing, as long as you're registered as a freelance person, you're freelancing. It doesn't mean you're actually True. doing shit. I've been good, man. I've been doing a lot of. Uh, I've been doing a lot of um, physio, man. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I got I got orthopedic shoes. I'm an old man now. Oh, for real? I've turned thirty, Alex. Oh, oh that's I'm right, you turned thirty. I got orthopedic shoes, man. This is some real shit. <laughs> I fucking love them, mate. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Yeah, settle into that comfort. Old oh, age yeah. comfort is great. I love these. Wait oh. for the back pain to set in, man. Yeah, mate, mm. listen, I've already been there, mm. man. Yeah, Oz, we, Oz, I know why you have back pain. Um, Oz, how's your week been? <laughs> oh, well, uh, my week has been great. I have been doing wholesome things, <laughs> like holding my nephew, oh. taking care of him. Oh, yeah. Basically, if, if, if you guys can follow Ozzy on Instagram, very cute baby pictures, cute baby action going down. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, and aside from that, I've been gigging a bit here and there, gymming mm. uh, a lot. Oh yeah, eating a lot more. Mm, mm, <laughs> you looking, you looking dense. Oh, thanks, <laughs> because this is an audio medium. Uh, you can you can say that, and people might believe like, you. Damn, I've actually lost weight. But oh, I'm mostly stream. I'm like, yo, Ozzy, <laughs> see that gym flex going down? Um, yeah, and also I've been uh, doing crazy shit like uh, giving dating advice on the BBC Asia Network. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but everyone didn't know since uh, the last time an episode went out. Oz has now become BBC Asian Networks, like dating expert. <laughs> that's true. That's a He's stretch. Like Dr. But Fraser Kane. That's yeah. a stretch, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have been called upon for my dating experience. I am also, I'm concerned that the world now knows that I have some kind of, I have this reputation for having dating experience, whatever that is. Is that bad? That's, that's, that's like, more, just, oh, I don't know. Well, listen, man, you're getting, you're getting some prime radio action, so it's not a bad thing necessarily, I is suppose, it? I think everyone yeah. has bad dating stories. I just so feel like the world is slut-shaming me. <laughs> no, do you know what? I feel like as you're very honest and sincere person, and that's actually a good thing, and people can relate to your experiences, and that's not a bad thing, innit? Do you know what I mean? Thank you. <laughs> now let's slut-shame me. Yeah. <laughs> <Look>. Disgust me. <laughs> So, of course, the uh, big news in the last couple of weeks, at least here in the UK, has been the election. Yes, we've got a winter election. It's on the 12th? 12th of December. 12th of December. So that means on the 13th of December, we might know where the country's heading next. Personally, I'm voting for BMP, but what's it no? Right. So... Um, <laughs> Oh, geez. So you'll have to have been following British politics for at least 10 years to get that. That's that, terrible. Yeah, get, like, get that reference. Wow. Okay, yeah, cool. That's so a, who are you guys? Yeah, no, that's a hipster racist party. <laughs> uh, you know, I was into racism in politics, you know, back when the BNP was a thing. <laughs> I was into racism way before it was a thing. Oh, man, you, you, I before mean, Brexit. You know, I, I you know what? I have National Front on vinyl. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I actually have the early tapes of Enoch Powell. So oh you wouldn't even know. 
No. no, I feel. Do you know you saying that? Actually, I do feel like racism and bigotries come back in style. Like, it's weird. oh, really? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> huh. I love how you do that. Huh. I mean, it just it just never left you guys. That's no, no, problem, no, no, no. But you, you know, no, as in, as in, especially around this election, I feel like that's a big theme. Around a lot of elections, you look at like places like Spain. They did an exit poll recently. Uh, they did elections where the far right made big gains. You know. In that election and i feel like this could be something for the uk we'll see what happens so you look at politics and how politics has changed and if we look at the american election where donald trump was elected you know people saying that a massive facet of that was the power of social media and it was the power of you know they're saying foreign powers mm. um using the internet using social media to sway people. So yeah, that's interesting because recently in the news, um, you guys have probably seen this, right? Because Facebook have said that mm. they're not going to interfere with any political adverts, whether yeah. whether the advert is telling the truth or not, they're not going to interfere. Mm. Whereas Twitter's taking this stance where they're not going to allow political adverts to run. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard about this as well, actually. And in a weird way, I, I kind of make sense because I feel like Facebook is a place where, how do I say this nicely? More, more uh, easily swayed people tend to congregate. With Twitter, you have a much more younger, much more well-educated, uh, like uh, user base. I feel. Well, I, I, mm. I mean, I don't know if you agree, but I mm. think Facebook is it's similarly to to other platforms like WhatsApp. Mm. It's a lot more connected to family and sort of close friends. <clears throat> so I guess with that, you assume that people around you it's, it's like being in a room with someone um so you assume what they're saying you is valid you trust them more yeah, whereas yeah. twitter is a place where you put something out there and very quickly you can have 300 people going now you're a fucking idiot yeah, yeah. you're a fucking yeah. no, i don't know why you even come on twitter yeah right take your fucking shit and get it out of there um, i feel like 99 percent of the time is more like 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 pissing in an empty hallway it's like no one actually like fucking yeah. but also there's there's a sheer volume of people using it as well right because apparently there's like 126 million daily active users on twitter mm. compared to 1.63 billion fuck you know lads on facebook i wonder where those fucking meme come from now it's just a shit ton of so do you agree with mark zuckerberg saying that facebook should be able to run ads whether they're factual well, or not i think his his thing is just about freedom of speech which you know is debatable isn't it but i mean i can understand his argument whether it's what do you mean freedom of speech is debatable? well he's saying you know because it's a murky line because when you start saying oh i'm gonna i'm gonna ban these ads and not these ones is well, this is my understanding of argument is a slippery slope because then if people's own political beliefs get intertwined in that then it becomes a political thing which adds up banned which words adds aren't it becomes a difficult thing to police as well on paper it sounds good all right let's ban on these political ads right uh but you know there's a there's these these guys find a way to still make it work they can do it through companies i know i know some ads were pulled down on facebook because they weren't properly labeled as political ads and it was done through a company which is linked to a, 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 a political party i think the real problem here is is the sheer scale of it is what we're talking about is not like traditional propaganda that we used to in the past uh but like you know like the big newspapers that we see some of the splashes that we've seen in the week up to this, the first week of the election and before is looking at computational propaganda which is propaganda that is d done automatically by algorithms by selecting oh, wow. specific 
communities using bots it's like deep disinformation and it's stuff that we've seen in you know i hate to say it be be the russian boogeyman but we've seen it in like russian elections and other autocratic nations where they use these kind of psyops techniques to manipulate the uh, voting population and i think that's something we really need to be careful about and obviously there's this there's this report that's come out um that's been suppressed until after the allegedly, until after the uh, elections, which hopefully will shed some light on this. So which report is that? There's a report, it was, uh, I can't remember what committee did it, but it was a report that was looking into, British government report, looking into uh, the role of Russian interference on uh, elections in the UK. And apparently is there's there's oh been, this is the one that they've mm, suppressed till after the election yeah it's controversially so I don't know how much of it is again mm. politics you know how much it, how much what does it implicate people you know there's some rumors around it but I think it doesn't surprise me that you know as these tools become more sophisticated people unscrupulous politicians will use them to their advantage you know. Well, the interesting thing I, is also the fact that the amount of reach and who it's reaching. I think that's, that's the other thing as well with these, with Facebook saying, no, we're not going to do anything about it. Because like you say, it's a lot of people in your Facebook circle, a lot more close knit, right? Mm. It's not just, I mean, Twitter feels a lot more open than Facebook. So then any anything that you're sharing or you're putting out there, people are more likely to buy into it. So for instance, if I were to say... Um, China is invading Japan. If you put on Facebook, then I would think, well, it's, I would first, I think my first thought would be it's Alex. I know Alex. So it's unlikely to be fake. But I would still, secondary to that, I would still perhaps fact, if it's something as like as big as that, I'd be like, I need to go find out what's going on here. Hmm. Whereas if that had just been randomly posted, like sometimes when people like stuff, it appears in a timeline. If that appeared randomly, I would be like, who's posting this shit? Why are they posting it? Is it real? And I would take a bit more of a sceptical stance on it. And there's some, for instance, in Sri Lanka, when um, um, the recent bombings happened, they actually shut down WhatsApp because WhatsApp is known for, uh, like people readily share stuff on there and things like fake news gets readily spread mm, through mm. platforms like WhatsApp. Mm. I don't know, it feels more dangerous when you're sharing with with the closer circle because yeah. there's like the amplification of belief. Well, I think if you look at it from a psychological perspective as a psychologist, uh, as a sunny, understanding human behavior, well, you know, you could say that it's linked to the power of persuasion will make someone more persuasive mm. well it could be the argument they're making but there's other factors involved that affect persuasiveness uh, it could be a communicator's credibility their expertise their trustworthiness even mm. their attractiveness can make someone more trustworthy to human beings so it's not as simple as truth and facts yeah you know i mean when someone believes something and i feel that's a big problem when it comes to propaganda as well i think chomsky noam chomsky wrote a really good book about this um called manufacturing consent Manji, um, I'm not reading Chomsky. Yeah, this people don't come to this podcast and they're like, you know what? You should go back and you should actually read no, socio-political I, theory. No, I say because Chomsky because it's a really small book and it's easy to read and it explains it very well, and it's debatable what he argues. But I mean, he makes some really good points about kind of the systemic biases in uh, in in the media, you know, which we're a part of ultimately in a way. But the systemic biases in the media 
Bang, can we talk about how big this podcast is that we're now part of the no, media I'm narrative? Saying, but I mean, I mean that generally we're all part of the media. Oh. Like, you know, social <laughs> media. You know, since since Chomsky wrote that book in 1988, a lot of stuff has changed. We're all part of the media. So, yeah, and we all amplify that voice. It goes back to our friends, you mm. know. We all amplify systemic biases and, and understanding and those get passed down throughout people. If you look at Facebook, for example, political advertising is something that generates a huge amount of ad revenue. It's similar to newspapers in the past talking about his top, topical propaganda Chomsky argues you know that the, the audience and the readership are actually the products of value to companies and government and this is why newspapers and media help manufacture consent mm. similarly pay, pay, uh, platforms like Facebook have become the newspapers of the 21st century mm. they collect information of people which we've discussed multiple times in this podcast they collect information of people and that information is very valuable it's what makes facebook such a good business model so if they were to suddenly go to uh, a lot of these unscrupulous politicians you can't share your lies on, uh, on this platform anymore facebook will cease to exist so you know that i think that's a big part of it it's a business at the end of the day you know talks about the fact that technology is used by the people and because of that it can exacerbate already implicit bias you know you're saying mm. that we are it's just another rehash it's just reinforcing the biases that we have mm. now i don't know if um you saw it recently but there was an issue with like this weird mummy blogger like subgroup of the internet like I have heard about th this. there are bits of the yeah. internet that i think are fuckery yeah, so this uh mummy blogger called clemmy hooper uh she made an alt account um that she used to say terrible stuff and like properly disparage like other people in this mummy blogging community and, and you think like oh when i say trolling stuff it's basic level but like no some terrible terrible stuff not only other mummy bloggers but also her husband uh yeah, just to, like, to like make hilarious. sure that it, it was properly hidden and shit yeah. but no she was saying like racist shit about black women saying that they like weaponize race and shit oh, like other mm. like proper terrible shit about specific people and isn't like this real kicker is the fact that she's also a midwife that is currently yeah, actively working yeah, as a yeah, midwife yeah yeah so she that's what she's her brand is sort of built off and uh through like um a person online who's really great you have to follow you probably all, all already follow her kalechi okafor yeah and uh you know behind the say your mind pod oh my god amazing uh after she put like a, a massive explainer of what was happening all of clemmy's fans like managed to brigade and report her instagram account and her instagram account got taken down uh it was later like reinstated and now oh, she, so it has been reinstated. yeah yeah now she's verified as well you know but that shows just how powerful technology and you know the swarm use of technology especially with mm. biases you know i'm talking about it in the weird world of like mummy bloggers mm. and you know racist white widow class women but it's it, classic it's, brigading. It's interesting yeah. because I, I watched, so I watched this unfold on Twitter mm. initially. Mm. And in my mind, when I started seeing the tweets. I was like, this is going to reach the news mm -hmm. and then this is going to become huge. Mm. And that's exactly, we watched it unfold. Let's use this Clemmy Hooper situation as a microcosm for the political, yeah. like, 
group mentality. So, so how are you going to hate me? Because I don't know exact political terminology, but like, bear with me. So when it comes to like spreading false information, there's uh, two types. There's misinformation and disinformation. Uh, think of them as like the opposing ends of a, a spectrum. Uh, and misinformation is spreading false information sort of uh, unintentionally. And uh, disinformation is actually spreading false information um intentionally very specifically um, and that's how I consider this um, alt account that Clemmy had you know she targeted people specifically for an intended result you know that is deliberate disinformation so as a result it's not her who's received like a massive amount of I want to say backlash because she's got backlash but it's Kalechi who was taken off of Instagram and being taken off Instagram, you know, at first sight doesn't seem like, Oh, it's such a big deal, but people use Instagram for not just, you know, putting photos up, but people use it as part of their work. People use it professionally and stuff. So what's happened there is that Clemmy's actions have been pushed into the light. All right. And a person who is willing to talk about it has been silenced, you know, so opposition has been silenced. And I don't think that's that's unique. So if that's happening in the world of mummy bloggers, mm. Mm. it can happen in the world of politics. It does happen in the world Absolutely. of politics. I, I think the powerful point you make there is that truth sometimes is not as black and white mm. as as you might think and it can be it can be influenced by public mm. perception can't it exactly what is truth that's exactly question. and you know mm. it's not just public perception it's what public want to believe you know if society is already biased against black women society uses technology these platforms these platforms are just going to reinforce you know the same discrimination that you see mm, absolutely and the other thing as well we were just talking about how so i was saying how i'm likely to believe something that you mm. you put out mm. And, but in this case, even her husband had no idea she was doing this. Or even Clemmy's husband, who or, like was saying on his Instagram account that he's like very disappointed that this happened and he had no idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then like, you know, he's like right there. So again, it's happening within the same circles. And exactly, he, yeah. he was not. But what's really interesting mm. is now you look at the the follow on. You have a place like Galdem who are reporting on this and talking about. Mm the anti-black undertones i say undertones but it's very clear you know Mm. what's pushing this Mm. and then you have the larger news organizations like the guardian taking a more straight line taking not even more a straight line just not talking about the racism not talking about the racial element yeah all the elements of it that are incredibly important and so it Mm. shows that even when something happens the, the coverage of it reflects you know it who's shows the readership who's yeah. the who's the writer it's, mm. it's about public opinion how that's shaped by various things that are out of control we've digressed from the point but you know this is an example mm-hmm. of technology being used and technology swaying the public how yeah. the narrative of the media of large-scale media like the guardian and small-scale media like social media really affects i guess the narrative of how we we see people Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I mean, it's not just the fact that we are heading towards an election as to why we're talking about politics now and, you know, the role of social media and the role of, of the internet in shaping politics. It's, I think, something a bit more fundamental than that, at least infrastructure-wise. Like, if you could vote electronically instead mm. of having to go mm. vote by post or mm -hmm. go in person to vote, would you do that? Would you vote electronically? I don't have a lot of friends, so any excuse... To get out of the house. To get out of the house. No, but people. But for I, real. I 100% would <laughs> vote electronically. Okay, so so why don't we? I think it's 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 a complicated issue, and I want to know the exact details of. It. From my understanding, it's 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 linked to just a reluctance to change, isn't it? Or well, there is yeah, there mm. are so many like different um, views and thoughts about this. I mean, mm. the UK has tried to do this so many times every few years. I mean, we've had so many elections recently, right? And there are always think pieces about why, about potentially, uh, doing electronic voting because there, it already exists in a few countries yeah. around the world. Right. Yeah. And I think in, in 2002, it was the electoral commission released this report saying that we would have e-voting as early as like 2008 or the, the, the structure is going to be in place. So we're talking about electronic voting for like the main elections, like the prime yeah. minister or like the, the big, big elections. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Just replace the paper and pencil mm. voting system that we have right now. Mm. And then they, they thought that by 2011, we were definitely going to have it. Eight years later. Yeah, but the Eight thing is they've discussed later. it again recent, recently mm. as it's been discussed again. And they think that by the, the most recent report suggested that by 2020, we're going to have e-voting. And yeah. clearly we know that's not going to happen, right? Um, it might. I mean, <laughs> is, it, is it politically motivated? Is it based on turnout? Because I feel like actually some parties, I'm not going to say which, want to suppress voter turnout because actually that is bad, to, bad for them. Apathy it's, actually benefit, benefits their politically. Polling place electronic voting or internet voting examples have taken place in Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Estonia, Germany, India, Italy, Namibia, the Netherlands, so that was the uh, Rhineland internet election, Norway, Peru, Switzerland, the UK, Venezuela, and the Philippines. So the so the UK has had in one sort of electronic voting. So the UK has piloted it, from what yeah. I understand, but it's never actually been rolled out yeah. because it's just been discussed and discussed endlessly and mm. never been implemented. Mm. But aren't you scared of being hacked? Like, I so, would be scared of being hacked. As so I think was taken away or used to someone else. I'd have voted, right? Yeah. And it would have been tabulated. And let's say the party I didn't think was going to win won. The party I didn't vote for, I'd just think, oh, okay, I voted 
for one party, mm-hmm. everyone else voted for the other. Mm. I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. That's the yeah. thing, because because voting is is it's so huge. There are so many million people in the UK, and so you just assume that you know yours just was the wrong vote. Yours, you voted the other way mm. when mm. when someone could have hacked it. Mm. That's true. But I think based on um, so from what I've read about. Mm. sort of electronic voting and especially of the the so the stories that surrounded the last US election the companies that take care of cybersecurity in around US elections they say that the concern is not with someone hacking and stealing your vote apparently hackers are less likely to directly attack individual voters they'll be looking for strategies to sway the outcome so they'll be looking at change like so it's basically political parties and politicians who have to be worried about the vote being changed whereas in you're not no one's going to basically hack you and just change what you crossed into something else yeah so people won't change my individual vote but they'll yeah but the overall they'll look to they'll look at ways to change the overall vote okay or the overall result to sway it in whatever direction they mm. want to sway it this is one of the arguments being made for this is why the pencil and paper system is technically foolproof because you're physically going in you are going into the place and it's you using a pencil to cross on a piece of paper there and also the other thing is you can't you can't ever trace it back so when you vote i can't trace it back to you because your name's not on it right whereas with an electronic system that's the other concern is that no matter how much you encrypt it you will have to for security reasons you will have to have a trail so eventually you would be able to trace it back to who voted and what mm, and that mm. that kind of mm. that, that's another concern that's been yeah, raised yeah. With so, so like an ip address or something exactly whereas with the pencil and paper you that's never going to happen listen right? i'm going to say a couple of things about this first of all yeah you go when you go and vote yeah you don't need no id or nothing you can just walk up in there and you can just vote you say your name is and you can vote right also issues of electoral fraud are very small. They're verging on just a few hundred every election. Yeah, how I don't think that's really going to translate into electoral fraud in terms of the e-voting system. Like you know, I feel like actually a lot of these fears and worries are kind of hyped up. Actually, I think I, feel, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so, so there is also. So we if we look at the other sort of concerns that people have around mm. e-voting. The fact that you can vote from home means that first of all. Uh, can someone log into potentially your voting account and vote for you? Does that mean they're voting for the person you want to vote for? Can someone intimidate you in a room on voting day mm. to oh. vote for somebody? The and and the real there's another real concern is can someone pay you if someone offered you money for your vote? Mm. Would you would you sell your vote? That's another question right. people are asking. Yeah. Right? So at mm. uh, the voting stations, you are not allowed to canvas people like yeah. in the queue. You, you know, there are people yeah. there. There are election officials. There are voting officials that are there saying, you know, you can't canvas people. You mm-hmm. can't go up and down saying, vote for this party, vote for this party. Mm-hmm. But you're saying that yeah, you get enough people in a, a room in a house or in a big hall yeah. somewhere, you know, and say, oh here you can have a jacket if you vote for conservative or here mm. have a jacket if you vote for for this party 
I'm or, yeah. or like go go to you know identify demographics or populations or groups or cities or towns where people are less likely to vote because that's the behavior and that's one thing that comes up again and again is mm. generally if you are someone who has always voted you will always always vote mm. if you're someone who hasn't voted you're very unlikely to vote like apparently that's just a behavior that's difficult to change mm. you could identify these people and offer them money. And this is a concern that's been raised. Let's say a thousand people in a village hall or something and they're told everyone press this button uh, and you'll mm. get 20, 100 pounds. Yeah, and if, if, it, if you can convince someone that your vote, uh, like this money is worth more than your vote. And also it's probably not that hard to convince people given that a lot of us feel like a lot of the time that we vote and we vote and we don't get what we want. Mm. So mm. there is this sense of, does my vote count? And that is apparently based on all the studies and think pieces that people do. It's the idea that your vote, does my vote count? That is the ultimate mm. question mm. that stops or motivates people to vote. If anything, what we need is more political engagement. We need more people to turn out to vote. If you look at 2017, less than 70% of people in this country voted, right? 30% of just people in this country didn't have a voice. Even if we can have 5-10% more people, I think it's a good idea. No, yes, I... we might have issues with electoral fraud, but I don't think they're substantive that people are making out. And in fact, I feel actually some people are worried about greater uh, political turnout because it actually hinders them in their political ambitions. So one other concern with electronic voting, right, is... Um, the way in which you'd have to do it is you would have to implement an ID system. Now, this is how Estonia do their voting. Really? Is to have biometric IDs, which you use to log in to, um, to cast your vote. And they also, they have many measures in place. So even after you've cast your vote, they apparently the government will then send you a link to make, to, you can check that what you voted is what you voted. Bro, can oh, I really? just say, how the fuck are Estonia doing this biometric shit? Motherfuckers, how are we not doing this? You know I mean? well, but that's that, that's so, it, isn't it? Sorry, can we come against uh, your implicit bias or your, your what your that subtle bias you have against Central Eastern European countries? No, 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 no. What do you mean? How are they doing it? And we're no, not as advanced as the Estonians. Man, fuck you. All of our Estonian fans are going to come up to you. Yeah, yeah. they're going to fucking because they're going to come here, right? They're going to come to the outside the BBC and be like, "Who's that tall Asian man?" <laughs> that's Sahel. Yeah, they're going to fucking run up. What do you get run up on by? No, 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 I'm not saying anything bad about Estonia. I'm saying about us. Estonia is fucking bossing it, bro. We, <laughs> we are like peasants compared to Estonia. All right. Saying. All right. No, no, no. You know, you're going to get run up on. You're going to get run up by guys <laughs> from Tallinn. You know what Tallinn is? Tallinn is the capital of Estonia. I Listen. didn't just Google that. All right. I got shooters out in Tallinn, you know. <laughs> You know, I just Googled Estonia as well, and apparently it's been inhabited since at least 9,000 BC. Okay, yeah, you're digressing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Think about all that history, yeah. It's over 9,000. It's going to come up and fuck you up. So, so, so Estonia so has a biometric they, system, they right? They have a biometric system. You, they send you a link so you can check that what you said you voted is what you actually voted. That's really smart. And apparently you can also change your vote up until the closing like deadline. But that's scary though. Right, but... I mean, again, exactly. It opens up a whole new, you know, layer of, of issues. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is with the whole ID card thing, then that, that's, that's also another can of worms, right? Then we would be looking at issuing biometric IDs to everybody in the UK, which is like a whole other hot topic. Mm. But, the, you know, the ID thing is a, it's a big thing because currently to vote, am I right, how you don't need to have an ID with you? You don't need to have anything. You yeah, but then, address. you know, the, the idea behind that is like you, you don't, 
No, if you are someone in the UK, mm. you have the right to vote. You don't have to prove who you are. Yeah. That is your basic right. Yeah. And that is why people are very much against because they trialed the ID thing as well. And, mm. you know, disproportionately it, with ethnic minorities who were affected it's, it's by that. It's a pressed turnout. It's a pressed yeah. turnout. Yeah. yeah. So You're I guess right. you have that, that balance, the biometric ID system that Estonia have implemented. You know, it becomes easier and a lot more accessible. But at the same time, you lose the anonymity exactly that, that we There's have with, a trail. with voting currently so that that, that is a yeah. trade-off yeah i mean okay based on it i mean would either of you use it realistically would you use it i would use it and um, go back to ozzy's point is about having those options there for people so if you're worried about being coerced you can go to the place and do your vote privately if you're not worried and you just want convenience you can go online and you can do a vote with your biometric uh, id you know if you want that safety there i think options is the important thing here really and some of these fears i feel are actually overhyped and they can exist anyway in the system we have so why worry about it and also i just feel like the whole i know the idea of being able to change your vote does make it sound really wobbly but take something like brexit for example it was just yes or no in that case if you did have the option to suddenly be like actually I want to change my vote. It's not like I'm going to change it to like one of, one of many other parties. Mm. In that sort of situation, I just feel like maybe it's mm. useful. Yeah, I feel like this whole thing, this whole reforming the voting system actually needs to come, and I've said this a few times, it needs to come with a whole other draft of legislation to completely overhaul the, the voting system, introducing things like proportional representation so we reduce political apathy, people have better democratic accountability. I feel like there's a whole, it's not just one thing, it's a holistic thing, you know what I mean? That got, it's got to be a package it's got to come together better access to information etc this is a very good point because for example an electronic voting system in my mind would make it first of all so much more accessible to the people who cannot physically leave the house for whatever reason to go and cast their vote right that's or so, sometimes i have i know people who are like within our generation who have had such busy lives that even though the voting, the, the polling stations open all day, sometimes they like balancing multiple things or multiple jobs that they physically cannot have, don't have the time to get to it. And so things like that would be so much easier if I can just get onto my smartphone, securely log onto something and cast my vote. I think, right, that voter yeah. turnout would improve and would change the vote. But there's also people arguing against it, saying that overall, voter turnout is not going to improve just because you implement an electronic system mm. what's going to change voter turnout is um the belief that your vote actually counts so stepping away from the technology is there something to the psychology of voting and how we vote or why we vote i think so so some people like the idea of going to a polling station on election day and putting that pencil on the paper and put in the cross because people feel like that's very symbolic people have died for the lots of people have died for the right to vote so some people have the opinion that you should get off your ass and go and do this i i think this is a very i mean it's cute and all okay but at the same time you can't just say we've done it on pen with pencil and paper for years and this is like a symbolic thing so let's always do it this way till the end of time That's absolutely just, but do you know what i love paper voting and i like going in there and if there was electronic voting i'd still paper vote but it should be there it should be there as an option well you're not saying that people have died for the right to swipe but i think people have died and you should for that reason you should definitely use your vote but i don't think we that means we should stick to a very old fashioned yeah, we should have in, in fact you're right Sahil, i mm. think they should just 
roll it out into more like we have postal voting and stuff yeah. like that roll it out into more modalities or like you know they, i think at one point they even thought about telephone voting because everybody had a landline just like eurovision just like eurovision just, <laughs> just the shit <laughs> so it's, you know i think green the, the, party. the more nil point <laughs> nil point green party <laughs> So election, yeah. Can you imagine Graham Norton giving the cop running? Commentary? I would love that. I mean, I, I, that's one way to get it, vote to turn out. Honestly, Dimbleby and Norton next to each other, and then and then Graham Norton just getting slowly drunker and drunker as night People goes. Would... Look for for our non UK audience or non Europe audience, which I guess there are a lot of you. Yeah. Um, it's 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 yeah, it's it's hilarious yeah, to see it to believe it. The UK the UK knows that we're never going to win, so uh, our commentary is. It's laconic. We always try, though, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we try. We try. Anyway, away from Graham Norton Mm -hmm. and back to to why we vote and how we vote, the different modalities of voting. So Mm. saying potentially telephone voting. The more modalities there are and the more options there are for people, it would encourage more of the population to to then cast their vote and the Mm. end result would be more representative of the entire population's views. The problem is that not everybody is turning out because of various reasons that we talked about. And so it's never really, the outcome is not necessarily representative. And and so uh, there aren't really any concerns about security. It's not security that would be a problem. Uh, That's being used as, I guess, a, a boogeyman to stop people from using electronic voting. Yeah, true. And also, nobody likes change. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a funny thing. Actually, I would think the whole political process would benefit from just not just having more access to uh, ways to vote, but also access to better quality response better quality information that is reliable and that you can trust. And, and I feel like that's a big problem. And you don't mm. think that social media or our current internet and social media provides that or is is conducive to that again i say read chomsky's book i know i'm sounding like a uh leftist lefty liberal here but i mean what i would say is you know there is an element of manufactured consent and that is compounded by our media institutions and we need to have better access to information to make better informed decisions around who we vote um, and imagine if they just banned all political advertising we're talking about paying for someone's vote that's what propaganda is you're putting money into a way to coerce people to to vote and act in a specific way often which is against their own interests right you know that we need to really look into that and reform that with media with the internet you know you think propaganda so i mean how far back does propaganda really go can I read this on Wikipedia right now? Uh, primitive forms of propaganda have been seen in human activity as far back as uh, 500 BC, where I'm going to murder these descriptions, these enunciations. But <laughs> the Behistun inscription for 515 BC detailing the rise of Darius I to the Persian throne is viewed by most historians as an early example of propaganda. So, you know, propaganda all the way from 500 BC to mm. now, propaganda has changed in the world of the internet and with social media. We call media. it fake news now. You've said that, you know, we have a system in which propaganda, subtle or unsubtle, is is rife, yeah? What is more dangerous? Let's say we've got three things. One, mm. newspapers and current media, mm. you know, uh, putting adverts or putting out biased news stories Mm -hmm. facebook running adverts that are potentially lies 
Mm. You know, and they don't care. They're not censoring this because they feel as though it comes under freedom of speech and whatnot. Mm. On three, the potential with e-voting to have people in the room and coerce them into voting a certain way. Like, is one worse than the other? I, I say, actually, you, you bring this up. It has a propaganda. There's, there's different distinct types like black propaganda, white propaganda, grey propaganda, and it links to what you're saying. One is unambiguously propaganda. One is someone saying to you, vote for this person. I'm telling you to do it, right? Another one, such as Facebook, is more dark propaganda. It's like where people can pretend to be who they're not. They can be very... Uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Shifty. They can be shifty. What's no? There's a better word. They can be more clandestine. Clandestine. Yeah, yeah. Clandestine with their uh, with their propaganda. Cool. Um, and whereas the newspapers are somewhere in between. People know where their political leanings are, but they pretend to be neutral. So I would say all of them feed into the same problem, which is disinformation. Um, and what we need to do is make sure and have proper regulations in place to. Number one, limit foreign influence in political, um, uh, in politics in the UK, but also limit the amount of money just generally. Because, like I say, propaganda is a way to buy someone's vote, it's a way to manufacture consent. So, we need to find a way to democratize this whole process and to take it back to you know what it's about it's about policy, policies, about politics, about how it affects people's lives. So this would be the point where the episode like normally ends. Like we plan to end it here. You'd have that bit where we're like, oh, hey, what have you learned and stuff? But then something happened. So tonight, which is, I guess, the 19th of November, we had the leaders debate, televised leaders debate between the head of the Conservative Party, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and the head of the Labour Party, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, because we live in the world of social media and politics being so intertwined. Uh People are talking about it online. People are following it on Twitter, Facebook, you know, all these places. And, you know, we have things like independent fact-checking websites like, you know, Full Fact and other ones that are related to like things like BBC. So like Reality Check and The Guardian having fact-check, like lots of these things that verify claims made by politicians. So during the debate today, the Conservative Party, they, they renamed their main media account, which is at CCHQ Press. They renamed it as Fact Check UK and then changed its logo to hide its like conservative origins and then used it to to push you know pro-conservative material to the public. So even though the Twitter handle remained at CCHQ Press, all the other branding was changed to resemble an independent fact-checking outlet. So it might not have been like immediately apparent to someone who just saw the tweets come up that you know it was related to the Conservative Party. And once the debate finished, they switched it back. And because we were already in a massive group chat about it already me and Oz decided to jump on voice notes and talk about it. So apologies if the audio quality isn't like amazing here. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of crazy and outrageous, um, especially given the fact that uh, Twitter is a platform that said that they're going to take measures against um, basically like political um, advertising in the interest of you know, not lies being advertised on there, but this is just like the biggest lie. And they've found a way to circumvent all of these rules in a way. 
And I, I did, I'm just still in shock that they did it. And especially given the fact that that was from an account that had the blue tick verification. At first glance, anyone looking at it would automatically assume that that's a real fact-checking account. And cleverly, it was only done for the duration of the election debate. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't need to be done for a very long time. Like the election debate, just an hour. So as long as they have like that key time during the debate where people will look at it, like, you know, they'll glance at the tweets and not like interrogate the account further, uh, then they're all right. But yeah, like... The, their their account is verified and the fact that they've done this they did it on purpose you know it's it's being purposely like misrepresenting themselves in order to trick people it's 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 fuckery what i would be interested to know is first of all how well did it work uh do you think or do we think that people actually fell for it and also second of all what i'm interested to know is surely this is such a violation that someone has to get into trouble for this. Of course, it's obviously going to be the social media intern who is then fired or something. I mean, really what's probably going to happen is they're going to get away with what they've just done because it was for a brief moment and... I don't know. It's it's just crazy. I'm just still reading from it. It's crazy that that's something that somebody thought was a normal, fine thing to do during what was a very important live debate that was happening, where people are very quickly scrolling the social medias to see public response to it. It's nuts. And I'm guessing just based on the sort of what what's happening on Twitter now, but I just after debate that a lot of people are kind of taking the piss out of it. Like lots of other people have changed their accounts to fact check UK. So I'm guessing that very quickly people are realizing that that account was in fact, uh, someone was trying to pull a fast one on there and they're uh, initially I thought this is very damaging, but now, now that people are very quickly catching on to it, I'm wondering if maybe, uh, their clever kind of trick didn't work because everyone's cotton on to it and whether that's and also how much is this how much is that going to affect the way people eventually vote because that's the end game isn't it people want to try and sway people with false advertising no matter what approach they take I think um, you saying that oh people are taking the piss out of it yeah like looking at it right now people are changing their their um, names to like fact check UK and stuff and tweeting out just random inane stuff. Um, but also you got to remember that this is like our bubble, our social media bubble. And so I was saying that, oh, it probably didn't work because um, you see lots of people are cottoning onto it. Yeah, we're seeing that. But chances are there are lots of people online who are not seeing that and who aren't seeing all the mocking of it they're just seeing it and they saw it as like a a factual thing they just saw it as those tweets being factual and they're logged off or or whatever so yeah i think we can mock it now but it's still it, it, it is it has power it had it has power but also if you think about the bubble then the, the type of people who then follow that specific account they also are probably within that bubble who are just willing to i don't know but i i just think if they they're not 
maybe not people who could be swayed or I, I although I could be wrong on that one maybe maybe there are people who follow those accounts who could be swayed by what's being posted by you know the basically what really was the press office of a political party um but however what my initial frustration with when that happened because i was like this is such this shouldn't be this level of lying should not be allowed in 2019 so publicly and blatantly um i did wonder if this would somehow make it onto news channels. And I actually since have seen one uh, n- newspaper release uh, an online article about exact calling it exactly saying what happened. And so that kind of makes, gives me some hope that maybe these things will get called out. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, this account makes up like one part of, someone's social media they could be someone who follows so many like accounts from multiple categories you know all of their interests and stuff and they might not remember that they followed um you know cchq press and um so when they see it come up they think oh okay they don't like interrogate it further also someone else might just retweet it and they've retweeted they've had it retweeted onto their timeline and they're not you know they're not interrogating it further you know because they trust the person who uh, retweeted it and stuff so there's that trust they've the conservatives have intentionally tried to manipulate that because they they've changed all their branding to look like a independent fact checking outlet when they're not you know you know they're, they're playing on the the psychology and they're, they're playing on the, the platform of social media, like why and how people use social media and stuff. So I'm also, I'm, I'd be interested to see how this plays out, given the fact that, uh, you know, Twitter imposed these rules about uh, fake politics being propagated through their medium. And when you look at the response to uh, one of those tweets from that account, a lot of people were saying they were reporting it and a lot of people have screenshotted uh, the account before they changed it back to the original logo. So I'd actually really be interested to see how this plays out like tomorrow or, or over the next few days, whether any action will be taken or whether they've uh, kind of covered themselves enough that nothing will happen. You can call me a cynic, but I think nothing will happen. Like nothing at all. Um, but having said that, you know, the debate has literally just finished. So I guess you're right. We'll see how it's going in the next couple of days. My final question to you in the spirit of debate and whatnot, how freaked out on a scale of one to 10 do you think Sahel and Hannah will be when they wake up tomorrow morning and see these voice notes and find out that the episode has already dropped? Um, so honestly, I think uh, Hannah's response will be, oh, God, what have these guys said and done? <laughs> but then she'll listen to it and she'll be like, oh, OK. Um, <laughs> and Suhail's response will be, fuck's sake, none of these are sexy messages. So it's quite interesting because at the time of this being a finally edited um there has been like some news on this. The Conservative Party chairman, James Cleverly, defended this. He said that because the Twitter handle remained CCHQ Press, it would have been super clear as to what they were doing. And so he said the decision to actually rebrand the account would have been made by people under his remit and in the, in the party's digital team. So, you know, 
like Oz maybe said, maybe nothing will change, nothing will come from it, but you know, newspapers are picking it up, we'll, we'll see what happens. Alright, so we've come to the end of the episode. I know this is the point where you'd say, oh, but you know, we've matured, we've come to terms with the fact that everything is finite, sometimes <laughs> things die. <laughs> That's so very wise. That's a very die. that's a very deep observation, Alex. Yeah, I like that. I'm applying it here to the podcast. So, mm. would you use electronic voting? Would you, with all the things we've spoken mm. about, mm. do you think electronic voting is good in the world of social media, mm. in the world of you know fake news, in the world mm. of propaganda, in the world of using the internet to sway people? Do you think electronic voting is right? Would you use it? First question. Mm. And do you think that society currently in the UK should use it? I think I would. And I just say that just based on my own voting habits over the years, I know that in now I do a lot more research around election time before I use my vote. Whereas, you know, many years ago, I'd probably do a lot less. So, but that's because I see that there's a lot of fake stuff being propagated and stuff like that. So I would, I want to say I would trust myself to, to still use it. So yes, I would. Okay, but then would you say that it is the right time to have electronic voting in some form mm. in the UK for a general election? Oh, that's a very hard question because we are at a time where so much fake news and propaganda is around mm. Mm. and there is, as a result of that, not only are people being swayed to believe the wrong thing or believe something that they never believed in before or like whatever, but there's also so much, th 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 people don't trust the internet. They, you can't trust the internet anymore. Okay, so wrap it up, what are you saying? Oh, I mean, we should keep up with the times and we should, but also the internet needs to be better. <laughs> so Hale, I, I think, so I think, do you think, would you use it first and foremost? I would use it, mm -hmm. I would use it. I mean, to be fair, I'm very politically engaged and I, I follow politics very closely. So I'm one of those people, if they'd fucking make me jump for a ring of fire and you know, whatever man I'd, I'd be doing it to, what to, to vote to vote yeah i'd be doing it because i'm you know politically engaged right but for me i think that actually voter apathy is a huge problem problem in polit politics these days and in fact you know we talk about the rise of the far right what about the rise of the don't knows you know what i mean that's powerful so uh, should the uk mm, implement electronic voting i think it should have implemented 10 years ago but long, as soon as it was possible and also i think it should introduce ways to get access to credible information and introduce independent organizations to fact check political claims made during the election and those parties which lie which there are many of right they should be penalized for lies truthfully i'm at the point where mm. i don't know like i'm not mm. saying this is like oh i have no opinion but i don't know i'm i'm i know i would use it and mm. i hope that other people would would fact check and stuff but i think i would still be too wary mm. of security concerns i think i would be too wary of that even though i know that i can go and vote in a world where someone could very easily open up a box and just change things you know we have rules and regulations and you see a physical thing so in my head i think oh it's perfectly secure but mm. of course it, but again, it might not be exactly you've been convinced mm. that that's yeah. secure and that the count's always right and there's no like very little human yeah. error and stuff yeah. like that but but you know it is potentially it can be abused so i would say yeah i would say loosen your tinfoil hat a little bit but <laughs> but saying that 
you look at the grand scheme of history, man, power and politics make people do terrible things. So, I, you know, I, I, you're right. It could, it could end up being the case. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's just it's a slippery slope, isn't it, with those issues? Do you feel as though you've learned something new? I feel like uh, I've learned something new. Um, probably because I Wikipedia a lot of shit while we're doing this, but <laughs> hey, I did my research before I <laughs> turned up in this building. Listen, Speak I've done my homework. This is fake news. Less- fake news. <laughs> I did my homework before lesson, every lesson, and that's hey. not going to change. <laughs> How dare you? I have been your host, Alex Lathbridge. I've been joined by Oz and Sahail. See ya. Peace out. And this has been Wine You Were Donked Yet. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.